Well, we've talked a lot on this very show about expanding the Pac-12. Is there an argument to stay at 10 teams? Uh, there just might be. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you hire the qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. So many expansion options, and I can't wait for when that news eventually comes down. I do believe the Pac-12 will end up expanding, but Do I know that for certain? Can I come on here and guarantee that that's going to happen? No, I cannot. Which means, I'm going to make a phone call here. Just dialing a couple of uh, digits here of no particular orders. Just one second. Hello? Yeah, calling the asset. Counsel for the plaintiff, your honor, in the matter of the Pac-12 conference versus the idea of expansion. Today, I enter this courtroom representing those fans out there in the college football world, of which there are several, who would like the conference to focus on the 10 remaining teams rather than trying to incorporate two new entities to our beloved league. Now, looking at this from an athletic standpoint, first and foremost, it is paramount to remember that any school that is added from the group of five ranks in particular presents an inherent amount of risk. Opposing counsel has wandered into this courtroom many a times and presented the case for a particular school. But I, Spencer C. McLaughlin, Esquire, am here to tell you that all of those cases have been presented while ignoring one very large, glaring fact. And that fact is that any team that the Pac-12 were to add not currently committed to the Conference of Champions would have to work to make that addition worth it. They have to work. They have to prove. And the college football, in particular, community must buy into any particular program. Is this a possibility? But of course, it has happened before. Is it a guarantee? The answer to that question is a stern and firm no. And in the age of realignment, at a time when the Pac-12's future is in question, when its longevity has been challenged by many a talking heads online and beyond in water coolers and bars all across this great country and community of college football fans, 
Can the conference really afford to take such a risk? Sure, programs such as SMU or Boise State, San Diego State, Utah State, Fresno State, many others present interesting cases. Are there any that you could say with certainty that you would bet your life savings on would add immediate value to the conference in a way that makes it inherently more valuable? The answer is no. Any addition that is to be made to this conference is a long-term play. It's a play that is expected to bear fruit on the media rights front five or maybe even more years down the line. What can change between today and five years from now? The answer is a lot. The answer, very simply, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, is a lot. It is impossible to predict the future. Forecast we can, but know with certainty we cannot. And any program, no matter how much of a home run hire you or another lawyer or other members of the jury may think a certain team may be, there is no surefire thing. What is surefire is the 10 teams that remain present value. They present certainty. You know what you have in a conference with 10 teams where Washington and Oregon and Utah and potentially Stanford and Colorado are at or near the top of your TV viewership numbers. You know what the conference has there. You can raise the floor by staying at 10 teams and avoid the risk of adding a team that one day will become a full-earning media rights distribution member and there is the very real possibility that none of these programs have the potential to capture an audience in an ever-increasingly saturated world of college football fandom in this country. It is hard, no matter where a team is coming from, to capture an audience. It's a challenging thing to do. Very few have proven capable of doing it consistently and at a high level. And if two teams were to be added and neither were able to get to that sort of threshold, they would be draws on the conferences, on the conference, rather than benefits. Might I also remind you members of the jury and yourself, your honor, as well, and anyone else listening to or watching this show, of this very real fact. There was a time when this conference was a 10-team league. There was a time. And do you know what took place during that 10-team era of the Pac-10? The conference sent a team to the national championship game more than a few times. In an era where it was even harder than it is now with a 14 playoff to get into the college football playoff. And is that not the biggest criticism of the Pac-12 lately? My estimation it is that the Pac-12 hasn't been able to produce a championship caliber team, a top four college football playoff caliber team. They haven't been able to get into those ranks. That only happened 
when you had 10 teams in the league, not 12, 10. There is another very clear and open benefit from a football standpoint to remaining at 10 teams. That I will lay out for the court after a brief recess to talk about FanDuel, our new sports betting partner here at Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America, which is why we're so excited to have them on board. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel so you can bet Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and the Eagles with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Yeah, pretty crazy. They're going nuts. So go check them out right now. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Join FanDuel at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Every year, our beloved Conference of Champions releases a schedule that everyone pays much attention to. And think about this. For you, the fan, who make this wonderful sport as great as it is. When you examine these schedules, do some teams not have it easier than others? Well, of course they do. Some teams have to play this team, but they miss that team over there. Plays into the conference championship discussion every single year. A 10-team conference negates that little snafu. It negates the frustration that fans feel saying, wait, we have to play this team and this team from the other former division, but our our rival does not? That's eliminated in a 10-team conference. Completely gone by the wayside because everyone will just play each other. And the other note on the Pac-12 getting into the playoff, with a 12-team playoff looming the conference will be getting an automatic bid. But there will be benefits to being in the top four. There will be benefits to being able to put together a resume that allows a team the possibility of earning a buy in the college football playoff. That is a tremendous benefit. We see it in the NFL, where the two teams that are going to meet in the Super Bowl this year were the number one seeds and the only ones with buys. And compared to some of the other teams they played, they were the healthiest. So getting into that top four is still paramount for the league going forward. And as it pertains to the Pac-12, Pac-10, might I say, Going back to just being a nice, even, clean number of 10 teams. Since the Pac-12 was formed, there has never been, not in one single year, a team that has gone unbeaten in conference play, a mark that is widely viewed across the country as being a very difficult thing to do, which it is. It is intensely difficult. It happened on more than a few occasions when the league was just 10 teams. But since going to 12, it hasn't happened, and that is holding the conference back. If you go back to 10 teams and allow USC and UCLA to go out the door, you increase the possibility of a Pac-10 team building a resume free of those gut-wrenching, hard-fought losses that are keeping them from getting into the college football playoff now 
or getting a first-round buy once the 12-team playoff is here. The risk involved, the ease of scheduling, the ability for the league to get a team back into that national title discussion and win for the first time since USC many moons ago are the reasons why the league should very strictly stay at 10 teams. You just have to ask yourself, do you want to introduce another unknown commodity into this space? Or would you rather work with the teams, the schools, institutions, and brands that you have to make this league as great as it can possibly be? Thank you. And I yield my time. So there you have a very well laid out case, if I do say so myself, for why the league should stay at 10 teams. I, th I think the strongest argument that's in that particular case is the risk that is involved. A and that is why I led with that, or sorry, rather why uh, Mr. McLaughlin Esquire uh, led with that in, in his arguments. Because any team, I, I think the most likely candidates are San Diego State and SMU. Whether or not they go beyond two and go to four or, dare I say, go to six and become the Pac-16, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that that could play out. And I'm not done evaluating expansion candidates here on the show. Number one, it's too much fun. Number two, there are other relevant programs that, that I still ha have to talk about. I'll probably get to them uh, this week, like Tulane and, and Rice, for instance. But when you add any of those sorts of programs, it is a long-term play, but there's just a lot that can change. I mean... It looks on the surface a place like SMU could be competitive in the Pac-12 or a place like San Diego State could be at least relevant in, in the Pac-12 and not just you know be a, a complete and total bottom dweller there. But th there's no guarantee of that. There's still going to be an adjustment period. I can't imagine that you know SMU and San Diego State with their teams right now could go in and finish better than maybe ninth in, in the Pac-12. I mean, they were, I think, both barely over 500. And I'm just using those two programs as an example, which is why other programs like a Fresno State or a Boise State have in some ways a better argument on, on that front. But there are a lot of factors at play here, ranging from athletics to academics to cultural fit and, and all that sort of stuff and geographical concerns or lack thereof. There, there are a lot of things at play. But I, I think the biggest thing to remember is the conference probably doesn't want to go back to 10. I feel like that just... There's not a lot of upside there. I, I think there's a little. I, I don't think it's impossible. But I really can't see them just standing pat at, at 10. Even though, you know, the conference scheduling thing probably smaller on their list of priorities in, in the big picture. But I, I do think that they that they would avoid that annoyance for us as fans where you say like, well, wait a minute, that schedule is way easier than that schedule. and that's get... But that's just the way it goes. And every other conference in the country is dealing with that. So I, I don't expect that to be a, a major roadblock there. If they find someone who they think is academically a fit, geographically advantageous or a good fit, or if they you know, see a program that, that could be very competitive, be very relevant, get a lot of viewership, I think it's hard to not want to expand. And my my guess would be they add two teams. I think most likely scenarios, and I'll close with this on this particular topic for today. Show's not over. Don't worry. 
most likely add two teams, then add four. I think they would stay at 10 before they would go to 16. 16 could get really, really dilutive. And the other thing too about adding a lot of schools, you need a place to put them, which is why the Amazon wild card that's in play in these meteor rights negotiations that are ongoing is really, really fascinating. Because if you add a bunch more teams, well, someone has to put them on TV. It can't just be Pac-12 Network all the time. They have to be at least somewhat appealing. And I think San Diego State and SMU are probably the top two options because Southern California and the state of Texas, Dallas area specifically, I think there's a a lot, a lot of of fit right there. Uh, So a couple more things to get to on the show today, including uh, this wild, just of all the crazy, wild, bizarre, odd, never before seen college football recruitment stories. Jaden Rashad is is right up there near the top. I mean, way, way up there near the top. Now, I'm not going to report anything here because that's not what I do. I read the news and opine and provide analysis. I don't know for sure if a $13 million figure is accurate. I'm just telling you, if you didn't know, that's the number that's been thrown around. And Florida had originally committed to that, and then they pulled back from it, and now he's back on the market, which is very interesting because there is a real, I mean very, very real possibility he could come to the Pac-12. Would it cost a school $13 million? Your guess is as good as mine. Is he worth $13 million? As a general rule, I don't think there's an 18-year-old or 17-year-old in the country that is worth $13 million who's never taken a college football snap. Just a rule of thumb that, that I have on a personal level. But... David Harper, loyal Husky listener here on the show, asks, Spence, you should do a segment on why Jaden Rashada would go to UW, especially since Heward is in the transfer portal. Rashada could learn from one of the best quarterbacks in the country. This is 100% the best option for Rashada to go to, at least in the Pac-12. As you look at, and I don't, he was involved with Oregon's recruitment, or Oregon was involved with his recruitment a while back. Haven't heard anything on that front. They got a 2023 quarterback commit. Don't expect them to go after Rashada. Washington, however, Washington is really well positioned. Number one, if Rashada is looking for millions in NIL, it's not as if Washington is the least well-positioned school to offer something that is at least fairly lucrative. Can it be 13 million? I don't know. I just, I, I don't even know if that's the number, right? But if that's something that is of value to him, Washington's in a solid place to, to offer him at least some sort of money, right? They're not the least financially flush program in the Pac-12. They are far from it. Number two, they don't have a quarterback commit in 2023. So they know that Penix is going to be their quarterback this fall. They know Dylan Morris is going to be his backup. But the plan beyond that... Mm-hmm. It's like Homer Simpson when, when Marge is asking him about the pig crap silo. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, 
that sets up perfectly for him to start in 2024. The benefit that David mentioned in his question is also correct. He would be able to learn by a guy who just led the country in passing and is probably going to be up close to that conversation again in 2023. And here's the real kicker that makes Washington a really good fit for Rashada. He is a guy who has a lot of raw talent. I don't think he's a day one sort of starter. I've seen him play in seven on sevens in person before. High level arm talent, good mobility, good release, can refine his accuracy a little bit. And Michael Penix would certainly be able to help him with that. One of the most accurate throwers in all of college football this past year. But the other thing too for a guy like Rashada, if he's the sort of player, not just from a recruiting standpoint, but individually who's you know going after that sort of money, means he sees himself as being in an offense where he is the focal point. And arguably nowhere in the country, in the Power 5 level, are you going to have that more than if you go to Washington? Because Kalen DeBoer has said for a long time, and it's been true, he runs his entire offensive philosophy, he and Ryan Grubb, through the quarterback. It's quarterback dependent. So if he's a guy who wants to get to the NFL, who wants the chance to put up numbers, get into the Heisman conversation, like whatever his ambitions are, he will have the chance to do that if he earns the starting job at Washington. Because I don't see DeBoer changing his offensive philosophy all of a sudden once Michael Penix leaves like, oh, Penix is gone. I'm suddenly not going to be quarterback-centric. No, that's what he does. That's what they do. That's what they know how to do. And Rashad is also the sort of guy who can execute that sort of offense. So I think it would be a really good fit. The other team to watch for here, he's a Pittsburgh native. No, not in Pennsylvania, but in California. Would you be throwing the ball a lot with Justin Wilcox at the helm? I don't know. We'll see what they do with their new offensive coordinator. However, would you have a chance to compete as a true freshman? That is something Cal can offer you more than Washington. They did bring in the TCU backup quarterback who grades as a four-star transfer. You figure he's probably got the inside track on the starting job there, but it's a lot less certain than Michael Penix up at Washington. So if you want to play as a true freshman, Cal is definitely an option there. And then just generally speaking, just don't ever count out Dion. Don't just, just don't ever count him out. Don't ever leave him out of any recruiting battle for a high-profile recruit. Offense, defense, whatever. I think that that's just, just, that's just a general, I don't have any insight there, just a general note. But for a guy like that who's now on the market, look out, look out for Coach Prime. Let's wrap up with this today. Uh, a couple of you have asked semi-seriously, a couple, of you, a couple of you were serious, but you've asked about the idea of the Pac-12 adding FCS programs or teams that are currently playing and competing at the FCS and mid-major level to the Pac-12, like Eastern Washington or Montana or Montana State. In the future, down the line, would it shock me if you said, hey, 15 to 20 years from now, Montana is going to be in the Pac-12? Wouldn't shock me at all. But you can't make the jump from the FCS ranks to the Power 5 ranks. It doesn't mean you can't one day get to that level. But from a competitive standpoint, even in the transfer portal era, you just can't ask a program to go from the FCS ranks 
to the FBS. Think about this. Montana State was one of the best, has been for the last few years, one of the best FCS football programs in the country. They played Oregon State in Portland, not even at Reeser. Oregon State, a good Power 5 team this year, of course. They got housed. It was like 63-20 to 20 or something like that. It, it is such a different level. It requires a different level of commitment. It requires a very high caliber of coach, which in theory they'd be able to attract. But they need to be able to show that they can put up the money for it. They need to be able to show they've got the facilities for it, that they can compete with it. It is a completely different ball game there. Montana would have to go to the Mountain West first or Montana State or any other FCS team this side or in this region of the country. You have to go to the Mountain West first, prove that you can be a winning program for a long time, and then you could get consideration from the Power 5 conferences. But FCS to Power 5, that that will not happen. Will not happen. I won't evaluate any of those programs because it's not a, a realistic option. But down the line, like way, way down the line, yes, it is possible if they can, you know, find uh, the Mountain West, or it wouldn't even have to be the Mountain West. You could go, uh, I don't know, to the American or Conference USA or, or something like that. I don't know how the geography w- would work and everything, but that jump would need to happen first. Appreciate the questions. Keep them coming in. You guys are asking awesome questions, and I love it. Thank you so much for listening or watching the show. Appreciate all of you. See you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.